All right, well, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would, go to Hebrews chapter 1 again. I want to share a message with you this morning uh, off of last week's message, which was off of the week before that, which was off of the week before that. So this is Supernatural, part 2. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and at various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Everybody say all things. Through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So amen. You read that, you look at that, and we all know the word of God's true. It basically, if you put it in, in, in our vernacular here, Jesus is in charge. Amen? Jesus is in charge of everything. He's in charge of all the spirit realm on the other side. He's in charge of all this realm on this side. He's been put up as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Amen? There is no other name than the name of Jesus. We use it. People use it as a cuss word. People use it flippantly. But the name of Jesus is what moves mountains. Listen, the name of Jesus is what got you saved. Now, I talked about this last week, and I want to just brush over it a little bit. I'm just going to just give you the scriptures, and you're just going to look at them later for time's sake, because i got a lot of ground I want to cover this morning. That time at the moment, you just got to think about this for a moment. I don't care wh where you were. I don't care how old you are or, 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 or what, if you, if you uh, ask Jesus to come into your life as a child or as an adult or in a bad situation, a good situation, whatever happened in your life. But the moment that from faith in your heart, you said, Jesus, I believe you're Lord and Savior. You believe he's this person who purged our sins. The moment that happened in your life from a true heart of faith, then that moment you became supernatural. Because John chapter 3 tells us you've been born again. And the Spirit of God came and lived on the inside of you. You are a supernatural being. You're a, you're a vessel, a, a, a human that was born to this earth, born from a, a mother, born from a father. You came out into this earth as a vessel that was prepared to house the Spirit of God. But the moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you became born again. Now, we Christians, you know, we don't, depends on how or what kind of a church you were raised in or if you were not raised in church or whatever, but... What happens to us a lot of times as Christians, we just take that for granted. We don't really understand what God has done. We don't understand. We're just too surrounded by all that we see with our eyes, all we hear with our ears, and just believe it's true. But the real truth is right here in the Word of God, that you are a supernatural being. You have the ability to contact heaven. You have the ability to talk to the creator of the world. You have the ability to sit right beside Jesus at the throne because it says when, when we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But yet we just stay down here on this earth and we let ourselves get beat up. We let ourselves get discouraged. 
We let the devil lie to us. We let the world lie to us. We let people lie to us. We let CNN lie to us. And then what happens? You become despaired and in dismay and troubled and anxiety and anxiety comes in. Then you got to start taking drugs, smoking pot to try to manage in life. You see what I'm saying? But you're a Christian. But it, it's like the enemy comes and he does not want you to realize that you are a supernatural being. He doesn't want you to know that the Spirit of God's on the inside of you. He doesn't want you to know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. He doesn't want you to know that because the moment a Christian grabs hold of by faith of who you are in Christ, man, the world changes. And they don't want that to happen. Okay? So I want to show you something. I want to show you how, how the Bible teaches you to get started down this road. So go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 29. Isaiah 29, 23. It says, but when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst. Now, let me back up. But when he sees his children, that's you, that's us, right? The work of my hands, that's the work of God's hands, in your midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob. And the fear of God will be of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding. And those who complained will learn doctrine. Do you see what he says here? That when his children, that's us, when his children begin to see the work of God in their midst. And at that moment they hallow him. Now, you know, hallow is not a word we use much. But I like it. The more I say it, the more I like it. Like, I'm going to have to learn how to incorporate that into my speech. Hallow. Hallow would be thy name. So that's the only time we ever use that, right? But the word hallow. And it says when they see God in their midst, they begin to hallow God and say, man, Lord, you are God. And then all of a sudden what happens? Then the fear of God begins to move and God begins to do whatever his purpose is. What's wrong going on in the world today? Nobody fears God. Why? Well, Blame the Christians. We want to blame the other side. We want to blame, you know, the liberals or blame this or blame that. But the truth of the matter is, had the Christians been doing their jobs, had the preachers been preaching their, the, the, the message of God, had the churches been being churches where the hand of God was moving. See, what I love about our church is, like I said, we have just about every person in here. I don't believe we have an axe murderer. But we've got just about every other type person in here. And I can say that I know who you were and I know who you are now. I know God changed your life. I know you were a drug addict. I know you were an alcoholic. I know you were an adulterer. I know that God had you in a, that, that, you know, got his hand on you and you were changed. And I can look at you and say, yeah, you know, they don't know where they came from. Somebody says something to me, I'll say, yeah, you don't know where they came from. Don't be pointing no fingers around here. You should have seen them when they started out. You think they're rough now, even myself. I mean, you may think I'm rough now, man. You should have seen me before. But God did something. But you see, as a Christian, you know that. You know God healed you of cancer. You know God touched you or God, you know, you know that that moment, that born-again experience happened. You know it's real. But then what happens to you, if you don't start seeing yourself as supernatural, if you don't start getting in the flow of God and keeping him in your midst and being excited about the things of God and excited to what Jesus can do, what happens is that apathy comes in there and that, that spirit of apathy just begins to keep you, just, you just get more 
subdued and more subdued and quieter and quieter and quieter. And then before long, you know, I mean, we got people right now in the world, you know, you talk about Jesus and everybody freaks out. You can't say that. You can't talk about Jesus. You can't talk about the Bible. You can't. Oh, no, you can't say that. Okay, that's, that's terrible. You're racist. You're this, you're that or whatever. I'm saying, look, dude, this is the only thing that saved me. You don't understand who I am. You don't understand where I came from. You understand that if it wasn't been for Jesus, man, I wouldn't have been alive today. I wouldn't have my family. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have my kids. I'd be divorced. I'd be all messed up in life without Jesus. You can't take Jesus away from me. You can't tell me to be quiet. I, when you tell me to be quiet, i got to be louder. Holy cow, what I've seen God do in my life. I could sit here all day long, all through the whole day, and probably go a week telling y'all stories that you probably... Some of you are going to say, man, I, I think pastor's on drugs. He was eating mushrooms, and he just, he's just a little nuts, I think. He's just out there. I have seen God do such amazing things in my life. He's real. But the Christian world has forgot about this. They've all tried to put it into denominations and put little icing on it, make little cakes for it so that people would like to eat it, that it would look pretty. Look, we got a pretty church. The biggest problem was is through the 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 the, the Really, it started in the 90s and going into the 2000s. Everybody just became a seeker-friendly church. In other words, don't preach any message that there might be any conviction on. Just preach a message so that people would be happy to come to, to, to the church. And so just kind of you know, just kind of candy coat it. And, and they started doing that. Well, then they started losing the power and the presence of God. I'm telling you, I have nothing to say to you if you take Jesus away from me. I got no advice. Because without miracles in your life and without Jesus in your life, I'm telling you, you don't, you're not going to make it. Okay, so if the church wants to arise and wants to see God in their midst, what we've got to do as the church is we've got to start hallowing the Lord in our midst. Okay, so let me show you this. The word hallow in the Hebrew is kadash or kadash. It means to consecrate, to sanctify, to prepare, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be sanctified, to be separated. All right, it also means to be set apart, to show oneself sacred or majestic, to be honored, to be treated as sacred, to be holy. This is what the word hallow means. It doesn't mean, folks, because listen to me, you can, you can get your life, let's just say, on the outside looking good. All right, so you're not committing the big four cardinal sins of the church. You're not drinking, smoking, dancing, or cussing. And you can get yourself all looking pretty, get your hair all cut, get everything all looking nice, and you can just be looking as good, and everybody's, oh, look how good he is. But if you did all of that by works, just because you disciplined yourself, that's not hallowing the Lord in your midst. I would rather take a bunch of sinners, Christians who were sinning, but yet would fall down on their face every time they realized they were doing something wrong and say, oh, God, help me. It's a parable when Jesus said there was the, the man. He went there and he put his offerings out upon the, the altar. And then he looked over there and he saw this other guy that was just beating his chest and weeping and crying. He said, Lord, well, I thank you. I'm not like those men. God said, you got to understand the other guy was more righteous than you are. And see, the church has gotten religious. I'm not talking about I'm talking church everywhere. I'm not talking, I'm not hammering us. I'm just saying you can try to clean your life up. But only Jesus will set you free from being an addict. You hear what I'm saying? Only understanding the supernatural and letting the supernatural power of God come into your life and change you, then you're really truly free. The rest of the time you're still an addict. You just got your 
your life together. Hello? And you're walking and you're looking good and everybody's saying, oh, and no so-and-so, he's such a good person. But really, in the eyes of God, he's not. Because it's all by works. What we need is a supernatural experience. An experience with God where he comes into our life that we are just hallowing him. We've sanctified ourselves, consecrated ourselves to him, saying, God, you're the only way. You're the only source. And i got to get this down in my life. you got to help me because i got to be delivered by the power of God. Are you all with me? This is when the church does this, that then people in the world will begin to see, look at, man, you're different. You change. You're not the same. Why do you act like that? You're, you're, I see things going on in your life. I see you're happy even though your house burned down. You're like, yeah, I mean, you know, everything's going to be okay. I'm blessed. How do you look like you're blessed? You don't look like you're blessed. You look like you've got nothing. And you say, no, I'm, I'm blessed because it doesn't make any difference what my bank account. I'm not determined by the amount of money in my bank account if I'm blessed. I'm determined by my relationship with my Heavenly Father if I'm blessed. And then you can go through anything. See, the world's trying to all say this. Oh, this is happening. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. We're gonna, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. But when you're just sitting back saying, it doesn't really make any difference what you do because God's got, got me. He is, he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is El Shaddai, the God, the all-sufficient one, and he will take care of me. So no matter what, Lord, here I am. Then all of a sudden, joy can come in you and peace can come in you because you're living a supernatural life. But you're never going to enter into a supernatural life until you do the very first thing. You start to hallow God in your life. You say, well, what does that mean, Robert? What does that mean? you got to walk around all day long, you know, uh, in prayer. you got to, you know. No, folks, it's your heart. Jesus means everything to me. Oh, I, I, I love to talk guns. I love to talk hunting. I love to talk fishing. I love to go. To, but listen to me. Jesus is number one in my life. He's number one in my life. He's never been. He's delivered me. He saved me. I know it. I love him so much because he didn't leave me that he chose me and picked me out. That's just what John 15 says about all of us. And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God didn't say, ah, Robert, you just, you're, just not, you're just not quite the kind of people I want on my side. You're just you're a little out of control once in a while, and you just have a hard time containing yourself. And I just sometimes, you know, I just don't need that kind. You just don't fit the church very well. I'm so glad he didn't say that to me. I'm so glad that he didn't, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't pull out my sheet and go to looking and saying, you don't, uh, man, right? I'm glad to read John 15 to know that he chose me. You know what hallow means? Is when that scripture is real to you that you realize God chose you. And you're like, oh, man, the creator of the world chose me to come into the kingdom, to be a part of heaven. To be a part of eternity with you, you chose me, you, God that makes worlds, that heals people, that delivers people, that does all this stuff. You want me? And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like the puppy that found a good home. I'm just like, man, I'm just so happy to be here. I'll, I'll stand by your foot for the rest of my life. Can't get rid of me now, Lord. I'm in. This is what hallow means. Hallow means that he's everything into you in life. He's your beginning and your end of every day. That you just want to be around him. That's when you're hallowing him in your life. Not getting, you know what I mean? Again, here we go. You can do it all by works. Get out the candles. Go doing a big religious service at your house. You know, do all this kind of stuff. I'm telling you, that's not hallowing the Lord in your life. It's down here. It's when you want to punch somebody in the face, but you won't do it because you know Jesus wouldn't approve that you're supposed to walk in love. And you say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to do it. Oh, Lord, let me. No, I can't do it. 
you're hallowing the Lord right there. I've told you all this story, and it always the Lord brings it back to me all the time, but we were in Africa, and we were building, building over there, and oh, man, it was hot. And we were working in there, and we went out that evening. Was, there's no air conditioning in the rooms. It was 1,000 degrees and flies and bugs everywhere. And we were sitting out there at a table, picnic table, and there was a bar there. And uh, this guy comes out of the bar. He's drunk. He comes walking up to our table. He, he's pretty well lit. And he says, sir, said, you know, what are you all doing here? And we said, well, we're here to build a Bible school out here for a guy. Oh, you all are Christians. And I said, yeah, we're Christians. Ah, Christians, and he just started, man, he just came up with everything you've ever heard. You know, Christians, you're weak-minded. Christians, you guys are all weak-minded. That's why you got to have God to, you know, to depend on. You can't do this. You know, y'all are just all weak. And he's just saying all this stuff. And he says, you can't even prove to me there is a God. And I said, actually, I can. He says, you can't? I said, I can. How can you prove there's a God? And I said, well, because Jesus touched my life, and he changed me. And he's changed me so much that if he wouldn't have, I would take your face right now and use it as a mop on the floor. And this guy just said, he got all puffed up, and he went back into the bar. He comes back out with the biggest South African I've ever seen in my life. This dude was 6'5", 280 pounds, man. Looked like a chiseled Greek god, you know. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. He comes walking up to the table, and he says, my friend says it. You're, you're giving him a hard time. You said you want to use his face as a mop. And I said, no, let's just get this story straight before this fight starts. I said, he said I was weak being a Christian and I couldn't prove there was a God. And I said, I could prove there was a God because I would use his face as a mop on the floor. But Jesus has changed my life. And he turns and he looks at his friend and says, you don't believe in God? I was like, thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord. And the guy got infuriated with his friend, grabbed his friend by the neck, drug him away from us, took us in, took him back, threw him in the bar, came back over there and sat down and visited with us and talked at a glorious time. It's like, thank you, Lord, you delivered me. It's another reason why I know God's real. But you see, people just don't think about this. This is the church. We got to be the church. We got to be the people that the Spirit of God's using us in. And, and, and it's alive and it's, 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 we've hallowed him. In our midst, we've sanctified him in us. This is what we are, and we will not be changed. If you can be talked out or quietened about your Christianity, then you have not sanctified or hallowed the Lord in your presence. In Romans chapter 10, verse 6, it's a story, I mean, a, a scripture we, we read a lot, but let me just read it to you in this context. In Romans 10, verse 6, it says, But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend to heaven? that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you see that this scripture is saying, the moment in your heart, you sanctify the Lord. The moment in your heart you turn and you look to Jesus and it's real, then a miracle takes place in your life. Salvation comes. Well, the first principle of being saved is the same principle that works for every other thing in your life. Faith is simply you activating the supernatural on the inside of you. You're already supernatural if you're born again. You're already supernatural. But then... Your faith begins to activate it. When you're calling out upon the Lord, miracles are happening, things are happening, things are going on, things are taking place. 
We begin to walk and we begin to, to, to talk to people and we begin to do everything in life because we're hallowed the Lord. We sanctified the Lord in our hearts. And so now our faith begins to propel us in life and brings the supernatural to touch the natural. You know, when we wake up in the morning and you've got aches and pains and you're wondering what happened here and what's this and what's that and what's going on, what's taking place. You know, we, that, it's keeping you focused on the natural. But when you wake up in the morning and then everything you do, you, 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 God, I just thank you you're with me today. Lord, I thank you that I'm blessed. I thank you, Lord, you're taking care of this situation. You're taking care of that situation. Jesus, you've got it all under control. You're going to work this thing out with my job. You're going to work this problem I got with this person out over here. You're, gonna, you're sanctifying the Lord at that moment because you're looking to him to be your source. Now, look at another passage that's really, really cool. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then came to the other side. Then they came to the other side of the sea, <clears throat> to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he came out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling amongst the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because they had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. Now what? Here's this dude that they said they put chains on him and he would break them. Totally, completely demonic. Living in the mountains. Everybody was scared of him. Nobody could tame him. But when he sees Jesus afar, way off. He ran to him. Don't you know that when he was running, anybody that knew who he was, holy cow, I'm the crazy man. Right? Nobody was going, oh, look, somebody's coming. And he ran and he fell down and he began to worship Jesus. Think about this. This guy is a demoniac. All right? Like works for the other side. Right? Y'all with me? He's full of the devil. But you see, Jesus is Lord of the supernatural. He understands the demonic realm. He came from the supernatural, the other side, where the devils are. Think about this. When the angels fell out of heaven and they all were, were, were cast down, it didn't mean that there was a, you know, that, that, that a wall got put up in heaven and there was demons on one side and angels on the other. It's all the spiritual realm. And Jesus is in charge of it. Why y'all looking funny? Come on. Y'all just, just hang in here. Listen to me. This is good. And Jesus is in charge, so the demons knew it was Jesus because they knew him from the spiritual side. But yet they run there and they worship him. Here the king. Natural man, natural man, even religious natural man, their impression of Jesus is we've got to kill him and get him out of here. He's messing up our church service. He's messing up the way that we do things. But the demon, what do you know? He hallowed Jesus. He says, you're king. Went and fell down in front of him. Okay. So you got to understand, in these, these demons that had infested this man, there was still the man, right? There was still the man on the inside of him who was, a, who was created in the image of God. And he fell down and he worshipped Jesus, and Jesus then cast the devils out, right? And if you read over in Mark chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis and all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. 
Is that not what, what over there in Isaiah 29 he just said to do? Hallowing the Lord and going people see it? And Jesus told the guy to do it. But look what the guy did. He fell down in front of Jesus, worshiped him. He hallowed him. The moment he did, Jesus said, okay, now you're going out. Just tell everybody. Go tell everybody what Jesus, is, what I've done for you. So he did. Okay? He did. If you go look over in Matthew chapter 15, verse 29, it tells what happened afterwards. It says, Jesus departed from there and skirted the sea of Galilee. He went up into the mountains. He sat down there, and the great multitude came to him, having, to, uh, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speak, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind sing, and they glorified God, and they glorified the God of Israel. You know where that was? Decapolis. Nobody wanted to talk to Jesus. They got one demoniac in the place. He gets saved. Jesus tells him to go back and start telling everybody. The next time Jesus gets there, they're bringing the blind, the lame, the maimed, the everything else, putting them at Jesus' feet, all because of what this demoniac did. I mean, they, the demons, they said that their name was Legion, but we don't know what this man's name is. His name could have been Fred, okay? We won't know that till we get to heaven because it's not listed in the scriptures. But this man then began to tell everybody, do just what Jesus said. Tell everybody nothing other than what great things Jesus did for him. And so when Jesus came back, the whole place was fertile with people hungry for God. And they all came in there. This is the same place that right after there, Jesus fed the 4,000. In other words, it was a barren land, a tough land, a hard land. But then when Jesus came back, because of this man's testimony, man, people got saved, healed, delivered, set free everywhere. All because of one man preaching. You're going to get into heaven, and this dude's going to be sitting over there, and you're going to say, who's that guy? Oh, that's the demoniac. And you're going to say, what? Oh, yeah, look at that big crown on his head. Everything he did. He didn't get written in the scriptures. He didn't get called an apostle. You know, he didn't get in there. We don't see anything, any history on him. But this dude did a great work. The whole region. Decapolis means 10 cities, and so he went to these 10 cities and worked and did everything and preached and just told people what Jesus had done for him. That is what hallowing God in your presence means. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We don't need to be complainers. Look at the person beside you and say, hey, he must be talking about you. He's not talking about me. We spend all our lives complaining. You go ahead to the coffee shop and eat. What are you doing? Sitting around talking, complaining about what happened and what is this doing? I'm grocery to cost so much. How much you look at this? No, what we're supposed to be is people that are life givers. We're supposed to be people that everywhere we're sitting around, we're telling people what Jesus did for us. They say, well, that's kind of crazy. You're, that just means you're like a Jesus freak, man. Then so be it. But I know this. The fear of God's not going to fall in the land until the people who are supernatural begin to act like they're supernatural and begin to announce and declare that Jesus is Lord. If we're just churches all divided up in our different denominations, you know, ain't nobody going to want our ice cream. All right? I don't want it. But if we're people out being caring about others and praying for people and talking to people and encouraging people, and when you hear a bad story, you know, you've got an answer because you know that the answer is they need Jesus in their life, then all of a sudden you are hallowing the Lord in your presence, and then the supernatural is starting to work and to be effective in your life. Amen? Okay, one more scripture here. Well, I don't say one more, maybe a couple more. 1 Peter 3.3. 3. 1 Peter 3.3. 3. It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, the arranging of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on a fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart 
with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. That's the supernatural person in you, the hidden man of the heart. That's what Peter called it, the hidden man of the heart. It's really the real you. I mean, when we get to heaven, you're not even going to recognize me. You may recognize my voice, but you're not going to recognize me. I'm going to slough off this old earth suit someday, but the real me inside of me, you'll recognize. You will not recognize me physically, but when you hear my voice, you hear my spirit, you're going to say, that's Pastor Robert, because that's the real me. I just got this silly earth suit. And, you know, with the amount of eating and the amount of exercise and stuff like that, I can change its form. I can make it look a little better here, there, the other, right? But it isn't going to change who I am because who I am is on the inside of me, the hidden man of the heart. That's the supernatural side of you. That's what's been born again. That's what has the life in it of Jesus, the real you. And so it's funny he calls it the hidden man of the heart, but it really shouldn't be hidden. It should be visible, right? People shouldn't know you by what you look like. People should know you by how you act. I don't know why in this message I'm feeling these highs and these lulls. I say some things and I feel it just goes up, and then I say something else and it seems like it just falls to the floor. These are things we don't want to hear, but they're true. We don't need to be described by what we are on the outside. We need to be described by who we are on the inside. Folks, the world is hungry for something that's real. I mean, history repeats itself. You can go back and you can look at all through the 60s, all the hippie movement, all the drugs, the psychedelic drugs, all the things that they did. Those people that made it through that then sit here today and say, yeah, we did that. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. But yet, we tend to be doing the same thing again. Peter calls it the hidden man of the heart, but the truth of the matter is it shouldn't be hidden. Now, look at verse 13, 1 Peter 3, 13. And who, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? For even if you, you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and a fear. This is not a new message I'm preaching. This is what Peter preached 2,000 years ago. He said, sanctify the Lord in your hearts and let the hidden man of the heart show forth. That's what this is all about. If you're, listen to me, if you know today that if you died, you'd go to heaven, you know that you're born again. That's how you know, because down on the inside of you, you know that you, you're okay, You've, you're right with your maker, okay? There's no other way to know it. You don't, don't come and tell me, hey, I got a certificate right here. I got me one right here from the church, got me a certificate. Because that's, you, you know, what are you going to do, take that to heaven with you? Get to Jesus and say, hey, they gave me a certificate, I got one right here. That ain't going to work. You got to take what's on the inside of you is what's going to go to heaven. You got to know down inside of here. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord, that your sins have been forgiven, and you're right with God. Amen? And if you know that, okay, and if you know that, what happens then is if you don't start to sanctify the Lord in your heart and you don't start to let the Spirit of God move through you, then this world will begin to eat away at you. And it will oppress you, and it'll eat away at you, and it'll get you focused on the natural rather than focused on the supernatural. You begin to think more about, oh my gosh, what is going to happen here when you're not worried about what's going to happen there. See, the more things get going towards the end times, and i got to tell you all this, you know, 
the one part of me down on the inside of me, I don't know if the Lord likes it or really not, but one part about me is I love a good fight. And when I see the world turning that they're, they're saying you're Christians, you can't, you know, the Bible's, you're a Bible believer, you know, you're a bad person, whatever. I love it because it makes my job so easy because it's just cut and dried. Oh, so you don't. Okay, then let's go to war. This is what I believe, and I'm not changing. It's when they all kind of get, ooh, she, you know, that's when it gets difficult. Now, are you for me or against me? Can you figure it out? Are you a Christian or not, right? I mean, just send me the devils, man. Bless God. I, I know it's a devil. <laughs> You're a devil. Okay. Y'all follow what I'm trying to say here? When churches go to arguing about how much water we're going to use or how you got to do the service or how many songs you're going to sing or this is going to sing or it had to come out of the hymn and you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Those kind of things. I'm like, I don't really understand this. I don't want to mess with this. But you just come out full-blown heathen. Then I'm like, hey, I know who you are. Used to be there. Bless God. And then you get the Jesus freak. Then it gets on the other side because you get over on the other side. Then you get these people that are hyper-spiritual and you're like, do you really mean that or are you just playing and acting? Do you really love Jesus or are you just crazy? And I've been around a bunch of those too. They say, man, I... I don't know. I think, I don't, I, I, you make me nervous. <clears throat> you just make me nervous. Just sit down, please. But when you hallow the Lord in your life, I know those people. Because when I get around them, then they bear witness with me. And I'm like, yeah, you and I, we serve the same master. Yeah, we both love Jesus. And when it boils down to it, we just want Jesus in our lives. We want Jesus in our midst. That truly is hallowing the Lord. And when you do that, that's your first step you're taking into being supernatural. Because I'm telling you, church, you're not going to make it in the natural. I'm telling you right now, listen to me. <clears throat> I'm telling you. If you don't have control of your emotions right now, hear me. If you don't have a control of your emotions, I'm talking fear or anger. You don't have control of these emotions. What's getting ready to come in our lives is going to make COVID look like nothing. And it's going to come into your life. And unless you are rooted and grounded in Jesus... And have control of your emotions and know how to operate by the supernatural. You're going to get swept away. I believe it with all my heart. If I'm wrong, when we get to heaven, then y'all can say, Jesus, pastor said that and it didn't happen. I'm telling you as Christians, we got to be supernatural. Amen? So, I hope and I pray that what I'm saying today is bearing witness with you and is going to cause you to be like the man who went and preached in Decapolis. And that all you as you go out in life, because see, I can't be everywhere you're going to be, but every one of you as you go out in life, everywhere you go, every person you're meeting, everything you're saying, everything you're doing, that you are speaking the word of faith to people and encouraging people about Jesus and telling the testimony of what Jesus has done for you. Hello? What Jesus has done for you. Because then that's going to be the supernatural happen. See, everybody wants to talk about how bad things are going to get. But I'm telling you, I'm believing inside of my heart. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome because the Christians are going to rise up. And then we're going to see God move. And it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm not discouraged. I'm not saying, oh. No, I'm like, man, we're about to get in the greatest days of miracle. We're about to get in where they're serving us the poison broth. And we're just throw some salt in it and eat it. We're, I mean, I'm talking about all of y'all. I'm just expecting any day of testimony y'all saying, Pastor, I was out there feeding a sheep the other day and I decided I thought I could walk on water and got up on top of the water trough and walked around all over it. <laughs> Come on. These are days of the supernatural, amen? And as Christians, you have the power of God on the inside of you to, to, to move and to flow with God. And it's going to be great. It's going to be glorious, amen? 
So look at the person beside you and say, you got it. You're supernatural. Now, praise God. We're going to have communion now this morning. There is no mother. There's no greater supernatural thing than right here is about to take place. I've said this to you so many times. I'm going to say it again. I, I grew up in a denomination. We had, we had uh, communion once a month. And I remember just being so happy that it was a communion Sunday. I'd always ask my mother, is it communion Sunday? They said, yeah. She thought I was like really wanting to have communion with the Lord. But I knew the service was going to be short. I knew I could get to the river quicker because the preacher was just going to do a little bit of stuff. And then they were going to serve communion. And then everybody was going to get out. I knew it was going to be quicker. It was going to be great. I didn't have to listen to the preacher preach. And I pray y'all don't do that today. It's not a ritual. It's not just a service. It's you literally communing with Almighty God. I believe with all of my heart that it's just juice and it's just a piece of bread. But I believe with all of my heart by your faith coming up here and entering into the realm of the supernatural, at that moment that you take communion, God communes with you. And whatever you need in life and whatever's going on in life, He will set you free. He'll deliver you right here. He'll take care of you. He'll bless you. He'll give you a revelation. He'll do whatever, but you've got to come and approach it in a spirit of faith. Amen? And so what I want to encourage you to do, can I have all the people that are going to help me serve today, the uh, prayer team, pastoral team, whoever that you are this morning, come down. <clears throat> and I'm going to serve them, but while I'm serving them, I just want to remind, I just want to give you this opportunity right now to begin to talk to the Lord. If you're out there listening and watching, listen to me. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, right where you are, just call out upon Him. Just what I said in Romans chapter 10. Just call out and say, Jesus, help me, help me. And He'll be there. and He'll set you free and save you, and you'll become supernatural. If you're in here today and, and you need prayer, well, that's why we have this prayer team up here. They're not here just to look good. They're, they're here to pray with you and believe God <clears throat> to move in your life. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never made sure that if you died you'd go to heaven, well then, they're here to pray with you. It's a simple thing, but a glorious thing. And so when you come up to have communion, just get with them. Let them pray with you. Just let them pray with you. And watch Jesus change your life. Amen? So the scripture tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, now take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Jesus, we thank you so much that you gave your life for us on that cross, that you purged our sins and then sat down in heaven. And Lord, we praise you and thank you today that through your broken body, our bodies can be healed. Through your broken bodies, through your broken body, our bodies can be healed. And Lord, we thank you and then afterwards he took the cup and he said this cup is poured out in my blood drinking it folks no one should leave this building today feeling guilty because forgiveness is right here in this Jesus' blood poured out for you. So, Lord, we thank you for your blood being poured out for us. In Jesus' mighty name.
Praise God. Stand to your feet if you would. Father, we just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for communing with us and, 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 and that you have made us supernatural because, Lord, you live in us. Jesus, I thank you. You are the king of the supernatural. And so, Lord, I just declare that today there's a revelation that goes to this congregation. For everyone that listens and watches this broadcast, that, Lord, we become the men and women of God that you want us to be. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it. I ask you today, Lord, to keep put your hand upon us all, that as we fellowship today, as the kids enjoy themselves today, that, Lord, your good hand is just upon us, that we are blessed, we encourage one another and strengthen one another today. I declare all the food and fellowship is blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Man, get out and tell somebody what Jesus has done for you.